Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. Did you know that God hid the blueprints for what the church should look like in the Old Testament? Let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Worship Homestead. My name is Nathan Smith. Today we're in part two of our multi-part series entitled An Altar of Uncut Stones. That comes from Deuteronomy. When the children of Israel come into the promised land, God had them build an altar of uncut stones on a mountain, and that is actually the blueprint for the church. So we're going to dive into part two of that in just a second. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free worship training bundle called the Worship Booster Pack. It has five PDFs and online classes for you for every part of your worship team. There's 10 Commandments of Worship Songwriting. If you're wanting to write your own songs, here's 10 great tips to make your songs better. There's How to Build a Better Band. This PDF explains the purpose of every part of your team so that your worship team can do their job and not do somebody else's job, which is never what you want. There's Cheat Codes for Church Sound. This gives you 25 great tricks on how to make your live stream or live sound sound better overnight. There's 25 chart-topping arrangement tricks. If you have a song that you've been working on with your worship team that you wish had another gear, it could be more interesting, download this PDF and get those 25 tips so you can use it next Sunday. And there's my workshop, Five Elements of a Full-Sounding Worship Team. This is a workshop that I usually charge for when I visit churches, but I'm giving you absolutely free. It's all available as part of the Worship Booster Pack on my website, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. All right, let's talk about the altar of uncut stones. In Deuteronomy, God tells Israel that when they get into the promised land, when they cross the Jordan River and get into Canaan, they're to build an altar out of stones, but not to cut them in any way. It says, don't use a tool on it. Simply arrange whole stones together to make an altar. Then you're going to cover it with white plaster. And then you're going to write the law or the, the terms of the covenant on the plaster and engrave it so that everybody in Israel can read it very clearly. Well, I read that for a long time and and didn't really know what it meant, but as a result of digging into it and digging into the Hebrew and looking at the, the correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I found some really exciting stuff. Number one is that these stones in the Old Testament are actually sons in the New Testament. And here's how I know. The the Hebrew word for stones is eben. The Hebrew word for sons is ben. They're only one letter different, and they come from the same root word, to build. You build a house out of stones, but you build a family. You build a relational house out of sons. If you want more information, go back and and watch the first part of, of the video series on why stones are sons, but we also see that coming up in the New Testament as well. Incidentally, it's why Jesus renames Simon Barjona Peter, or Cephas, which means rock, because he's calling him a son. But that's only one of the components. There's four components to this altar. It's made of stone, the stones are uncut, they're covered in plaster, and they have the law written on them. Well, today we're going to talk about the second part, the uncut nature of the stones. As I was tooling around the internet, I would see people say, well, the uncut nature of the stones refers to our worship, right? Because altar has to do with worship and that we shouldn't have any human effort in our worship, that that God wants our worship 
unadorned and whole, not cut. Okay, yeah. But in light of the fact that the stones are sons, it says something about us. It says something about the believer. Well, let's go back to the Hebrew. When it says uncut in English, the Hebrew word for uncut or whole is actually the word Salem. Salem means peace, but it means a lot more than just serenity like it would in English. It's actually a legal term. It means a lot of different things. For example, in, the Le- in Leviticus, if you had accidentally killed your neighbor's bull, you had hurt him, you had harmed him. Well, it was your job to replace his bull to make him whole, to make him Salem again. Salem means peaceful, just, whole, complete, all of those things are wrapped into that one word, Salem. So again, it could be a legal term. If you had taken something, you needed to bring restitution. You needed to make that person whole again. It also says in Proverbs that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. You know, imagine a scale where you had stones weighing out how much grain, you know, that you were going to buy from somebody. Well, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight or literally a, a Salem stone, a whole stone is the Lord's delight. So again, it's talking about wholeness. It's talking about fullness, being just, being exactly as it should be with nothing taken away from it. So in the Old Testament, we have uncut stones. In the New Testament, we have whole or just or complete sons. And let me prove it to you. Let's go to Ephesians. Here we are in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 19. So then, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. There's one word in there that's very interesting, being fit together, or in this translation it says, yes, being fitted together. That word being fitted together is sunarmologio, which is a mouthful of a Greek word, but it means being jointly framed or being closely joined. That word only happens two times in scripture, and the other time is also in Ephesians. Paul is trying to get this idea of being jointly fitted together, being closely framed, and here's how he does it. In Ephesians 2, he's talking about the temple. He's talking about these stones being jointly fitted together. Okay, that's interesting. But in my mind, when I think about closely fitted stones, in my Western mind, what do I think of when I think of stones for the temple? I think of bricks. I think of of blocks of perfect marble or limestone with right angles, you know, golden ratio, I think of the blocks that would make up the Parthenon, right? Something very pleasing to the eye where they're all uniform and the same. But the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say what the stones look like. However, Paul does give us an idea of what they look like later in Ephesians, and here's how we know. So here we are in Ephesians 4, and Paul is going to use that weird word, sunarmologio, again. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. 
Let's go back here for a second. Being fitted and held together. That word right there, that phrase, is the Greek word sunarmologio. Aha, there it is again. It's the only other time that happens in Scripture. And it's the same book. So in Ephesians 2, Paul is talking about a temple of stones, but he's talking about being closely fitted together. To nail down that point, to get to really what he's talking about, he uses the imagery of a body, not of the Parthenon. Well, a body has many different parts, and we know this from elsewhere in Scripture, they're not all the same. We have eyes, we have ears, we have noses, right? Different thicknesses and lengths. Your body parts have divots and they have bumps, which show that they belong next to certain other parts that have corresponding divots. It's like a puzzle piece. They're not uniform and perfectly joined in the sense that they're not bricks. They're not like a human would build a building. They are unique. If you had a bunch of body parts and you had to build a body, you have to know where everything belongs, sort of like if you had a bunch of uncut whole stones and you couldn't cut them, you would have to find a place for each one of those stones to make your wall. Make sense? That's what the temple of God looks like. It does not look like the Parthenon. It doesn't look like a bunch of rectangles that are interchangeable. God, the master builder, knows exactly where each one of those parts, one of those body parts fits. And therefore, he doesn't have to cut the sons. He doesn't have to cut the stones, who is, again, us, as we showed in the last video. Isn't that amazing? God, the master builder, builds using us to make his temple, but he acknowledges and he honors and he loves the design that he gave us as different parts of the body. In fact, this passage in Ephesians 4 comes right after Paul is talking about the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We're different, but we have a unique um, gift to give the body of Christ, and that comes through our design. Even Jesus, as perfect as he was, had a very specific place in the body of Christ, and let me explain. So let me go back to Ephesians 2, because this is the blueprint for the church. Paul is explaining it. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to verse 20 of chapter 2. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the cornerstone, you can get it from the word, goes at the corner. So you have on the foundation on the one side, the prophets, then you have Jesus as the cornerstone, that's where he fits, and then you have on the other side, the apostles. The prophets came first, they point to Christ. He is the cornerstone, but after him, he sends out the apostles. So Jesus came at the exact right moment in history, right in between the prophets and the apostles. That makes sense. He is the cornerstone. So even Jesus, the perfect man that he was, has a specific fit in the body of Christ as the cornerstone. So did the prophets, so did the apostles, and so do all of us. That's why when Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he doesn't mean be a perfectly formed brick with right angles cut like a stone from the Parthenon. He doesn't, that's not what is in his head. He's saying, be complete. That's what that word perfect actually means. Be complete as your heavenly Father is complete, as Christ is complete. So let's put those two ideas together. First, in the Old Testament, we have a, an altar of stones, which as we know in the New Testament is a temple of sons. 
They are uncut stones in the Old Testament, but the word is really whole, just, peaceable, filled, full. In the New Testament, these sons are supposed to be whole. They're supposed to be everything that God created them to be. And that means that your design, whether it's an apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, whatever it is, or if we're talking about the redemptive gifts, maybe you have the redemptive gifts of a prophet, a teacher, a servant, a giver, a ruler, a mercy. All of that is supposed to be joined into the temple of God, and he knows exactly where you fit. Humans like to build with bricks and blocks. We like symmetry. We like things that we can manipulate. We like things that are interchangeable. God doesn't build like that. It's clear. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he builds us like a body. He builds us like a family. Everyone has a different role, and yet that role is extremely important, and he knows where you fit. Isn't that cool? Well, there's still two more components to this, and we're going to grab them both in the next video. The fact that the altar was covered with white plaster, and that it had the law engraved on it. What does that mean? Well, we'll grab that next week. Hey, I hope you found that video helpful. And again, if you need help with your worship team, go to my website or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.